0: and good morning everyone. As a church one of the things that we consider to be really important is caring for one another. Now why do we think that's so important and how do we do it? Well firstly we believe it's vital because Jesus told us to. In John's gospel chapter 13 verses 34 to 35 Jesus said a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now, love in this instance means feeling or showing concern for or kindness to others. In other words, caring for them. Now, I expect it's quite easy for all of us to think of those that we love and care for. Our family, our friends, many of those within our church community. In fact, there are so many ways in which we all share in caring for those in our, our church family. And it's something that is a real strength of Portswood Church. Particularly at the moment, there's so much going on through keeping in touch with regular phone calls, offering meals, praying for one another... Supporting each other through small groups and many other ways. But, is that simply what Jesus is saying? Jesus says it is a new commandment. However, civilised societies are surely built on the fact that we care for those around us. We all know plenty of people who don't profess to be followers of Jesus, but are very loving and caring and show it in so many ways. My own parents were for many years involved in a charity in Malawi in Africa, helping to educate young people there, showing care and compassion to people that they neither knew or loved personally. And just recently, one of our neighbours returned from a trip to Austria. And because of the current rules, when he got home, he had to quarantine for two weeks. And interestingly... It was his yoga class who did his shopping and supported him through that. So, what is new about Jesus' command? And how do we ensure that we fulfil the second part of his statement? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, we get more insight through something Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44... Jesus tells us to love our enemies. Now that really is a new commandment. Love the people we don't like, or even those who don't like us. Now it's getting tricky. And he goes on to say, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people... What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? If we only greet and care for our family and friends, that is no more than everyone else does. It doesn't make us distinctive as Jesus' followers. Jesus says that even the tax collectors, now they were really considered the baddies at that time, even they love those who love them. It's easy to love those that give us something back. So the one another that Jesus calls us to love and care for aren't simply our friends, although it most definitely includes them, and we mustn't forget that, but it is also more than that. But what does that look like? In a while, we're going to look at an account of Jesus' loving and caring. But before we do that, we thought it might be helpful to think about our own context and who we might be loving and caring for. So we'd like to encourage everyone to have a go at thinking about the care chains that we are part of. And we'd like you to make some paper chains, or some of the grown-ups might prefer to grab a piece of paper and a pen and write out your chains. You could either do it now or later today. So for your paper chains, well, you may already have some strips of paper like these that someone has prepared for you, or you might need to cut up some strips from a piece of paper like this with some scissors. Once you've got your strips of paper, the first thing you're going to need to do is decide on the caring chain that you are going to create. So that might be your family, a group of friends, your home group maybe, and write the names of each person onto a strip of paper. We'll have somebody help you if you need some help. So I've done our family here, I've got them upside down. So I've got Isabel, I've got William, I've got Andrew. So we're all on a strip, and then I decorated those with some felt pens. But if you had some stickers or something like that, you could make them look pretty. Then once you've done that, you're gonna have to join them all into loops. So I got my stapler out, but you could use sellotape maybe, to join them all up into a chain. But the important thing to remember, and this can be the tricky bit, is that the last one you put on, you need to make sure it joins it all up into a loop because at the moment, mine's not connected together. So this last person I'm going to put on, I need to put through one end, through the other end, bring them back together, get my stapler and staple it on. So now I've got a complete chain where everybody in that group is loved and supported together. Now I've made our home group, so on here I've got written the names of all the different people in my house group. And I've chosen to do that because those people are really important to me and they're an important part of my giving and receiving love and care. So if you're not part of a small group within our church community, I'd really encourage you to join one. Now we don't want to suggest in any way that that circle is closed or exclusive, And it might be necessary to break the chain, to add in new members. And that's fine. But actually within that group, love and support of others can be given. Maybe even those we don't like so much. So you could attach additional links. I've got one here that's going to go on here. So this is somebody who is particularly loved and cared for by this member of our group. But we all care for her, pray for her. And in our way love her as part of our group even though she's not directly in our group. So you could connect up some additional people around the edges of your circle or maybe even put on a new link to join up with another circle. Maybe your grandparents or your cousins. You could have a bit of fun working out how all those chains and links of support act together and work together to offer support to each other. Now You maybe don't want to rush off and start that immediately, because next we're going to hear a story about what happened when Jesus met a blind man called Bartimaeus.
1: So we've heard that Jesus calls us to love one another, and he calls us to love those beyond our circle. Those are our enemies, those who are outside of our group of friends even. So what does that caring look like? Well, we're better to look than to see what Jesus did. Do you remember those bracelets? What would Jesus do? So that's what we want to do. We want to look into the Bible to see what Jesus did and how he loved and cared for people. So we're going to do that in Mark 10 and the story of Bartimaeus, that we've just heard. You might like to get your Bibles and... um, Turn to, to Mark 10, this verse 46, we're going to look at. So this is a really dramatic story we see of Jesus here. Uh, we acted it out once with a youth group in the street, and it's quite an amazing scene that Jesus and his disciples are, are, are on their way somewhere, and this man calls from the side, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now I've created a bit of a chain um, for Jesus and his disciples, you know, as we've talked about earlier. See, this is Jesus, and this is his his group, the people who are loving and caring around him. And they're on their way somewhere, and this Bartimaeus calls to Jesus out of this group. So what we see here is actually the, the blind man calls out. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. We see this man's desire for help. He wants somebody to love and care for him. And he, he, and Jesus hears this call. And despite what the disciples say, the disciples are saying, we've got to go, Jesus, we've got to go. Jesus says, no, stop, call him. Jesus makes that decision at that point to give this man time. That point is that love and care. It says, I will give you some of my time. I will stop and interact with you. So that's the first point we see here, the way Jesus reacts. He's got lots going on. They're off somewhere. And he says, no, I'm going to stop. I'm going to talk with this man. He's not too busy to deal with him and to show him love and care. So he calls him over. The blind man comes over and, and Jesus starts talking to him. Now, what's amazing in this story is this blind man in, in the ancient Near East, uh, the Jews would have believed that this man was blind, most likely because he was a sinner. Or if he was born blind, it was because his parents or even his parents' parents sinned. He was undeserving in society. He got what he deserved in his blindness. And it wouldn't have been considered to, to actually interact with him significantly. But Jesus goes past all that and says, bring him to me. Let me let me meet with this man who is an outcast in, in the society. Jesus just shows him grace. Absolute grace, which society wouldn't have done at the time he would have been an outcast and so there again we see jesus in that it's an undeserving he he offers love and care to those who in society's views are undeserving so it's not just within his group he's actually willing for those who are outside of it and completely outside of it uh, to do that when he calls him because what does he say he says to him Jesus says, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, you might look at it on the face and say, well, the guy's blind. Jesus must know that. Surely he knows he wants to see his sight. He gets his sight. But actually, there's an important thing here. Jesus actually asks this man, what does he want? What is the love and care that you want from me? If you pray for people, you might have found that if you stop and ask them what they want, it can often be quite different from what is actually presenting in that situation. And that's an important thing when we think about how we love and care for people. It's not for us to decide what they need. It's for us to offer them the love and care of Jesus and let them tell us what they need. And so, and so that man, he says, well, I want to see. And Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. So it's a supernatural moment. This man receives his sight in a miracle. It's a healing and a miracle. And of course, our loving and caring might not always be that supernatural. But there's a challenge in the fact that, as Jesus said, this is a new commandment. This is something above and beyond the world. And you will be known as my disciples because of it. See, if all we bring people is what the world brings them in terms of loving and caring, then we don't stand out as that disciple. So the supernatural part of it is always there in the background. What does God want to do in this situation? Why am I there? How can I act in the way of Jesus in this moment and this time? And it's a prayerful matter of letting God act in that moment, in that place. And we become We become a conjurer, we become a vehicle for God's love to be shown in this situation, for God's love to be shown to anybody we're dealing with, through us, through our actions, but through our supernatural actions, through our actions that are given to us because of the love of Jesus to ourselves. So what's the result? Well, the result is the man sees, but then he follows Jesus. Now we sort of say, wow, there he goes, we've got to follow up. And this is where we've got to be careful. To me, it's the heart of this story is actually we can look at this and say, oh, there we go, we love and care for this man, and this man starts to follow Jesus. And as evangelicals, of course, that's why we might think. But the truth is, there is nothing of that in terms of motive of Jesus. Jesus does not enter into this interaction with this man For the purposes of gaining a follower. The man initiates it. Bartimaeus initiates this interaction. And Jesus turns to love him for no other reason than his loving heart to actually want to love and care for this man. The result is not the motive. And I think we've got to always be careful, always be wary about how we motivate some of our love and care. We need to think, actually, I love and care for you because that's what Jesus does. And that's what I'm going to do. And the fruit of that is, is God's business on that. So the motivation is that it's a gospel entirely about love. It's without a motive. So really, we see all that. We see this is actually... This love and care, it's an act of grace, it's for anybody and everybody, regardless of their place in society, regardless of whether they desire, whether they deserve it. But actually, the key thing is that there is a desire. When you read through these gospel accounts, you will see people's heart is to want Jesus to help them. And so we need to, to see that. We need to see people's desire. We need to see them. We need to make time in that place whether it be our friends and our small group, whether it be our family or whether it be a wider community, we need to stop and make time and just find out what they want Jesus to do for them. And ultimately, it's not about our motivation. Our motivation needs to be for Jesus and to see the supernatural happen. So just as we saw and see that, we can look in the wider context of this passage and if you go to the gospel account there, we see that you know this blind Bartimaeus comes at the end of a chapter that starts off Jesus and his disciples are all together, and the first pull on it is is the Pharisees in verse two are trying to draw him into pontification. They're trying to get him to judge people, and Jesus is saying, "I'm not really interested in that." He answers their question, but what's the very next thing that happened? The children come along. Verse 16, the verse 13, the people were bring little children. And the disciples and the others were saying, Take them away. This is Jesus' has got important things to do. And Jesus says, No. I've got the time to love and care for these children. Again, they were the marginalized in society. Children didn't have a place to be recognized in this way by a great rabbi. So we see Jesus and we say, this, this is his group. And Jesus is saying, Yeah, bring your children to me. I can Love them. I can care for them. On top of that. So so we see that happen, first of all. As we're still heading towards Bartimaeus, the next person that comes up is a man who needs financial advice. The rich man comes to him. So Jesus' love and care is to help this man to, to deal with his financial questions. That's what love and care looks like for this man. And if you're part of our community, I hope you're aware that in the coming few months, we are planning to set up a, a CAP, which is Christians Against Poverty, a, a CAP job club in the area, so we can actually support people in helping them to find jobs, helping them to, to deal with financial security. Absolutely vital. So if you, if you don't know about it, please find out about it. Please find out how we can get involved and gather the enthusiasm, because that's the love and care Jesus shows in this, in this journey. He goes on. And then he carries on. We see James and John arguing in this same chapter. And Jesus says, actually, you're here to serve. You're not here to be recognized. You're not here to be seen. And again, it goes back to that grace. The motive of this is to to do what Jesus would do to these people. So just as we consider all of this, you know, what does care look like to our friends, to our family, whatever? Jesus exemplifies it. And I was encouraging you just to take the first 10 chapters of Mark and a notebook and write down, where does Jesus love and care for people? Who are they? How did it happen? What did he do? Because that's the greatest example we've got, to show grace to these people, whoever they are, to show love and care to them that they need and they want and they understand. And just to show that in a Jesus-loving way. And let the rest be down to God in his supernatural way.